It is time for midday here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us here on a Monday and uh, get things going. We'll talk about stock market. Uh, boy, that's uh, not doing the greatest right now. We're joined from Innovation Campus by our very own Bryce Duskett. And uh, I guess the big question I have for you so far, Bryce, are you manipulating your currency right now? <laughs> no, I, I think I have to say no. Okay, okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> you know, you got to have some currency to manipulate, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, true. That's, that's uh, true. The radio doesn't do that. So what do you got? <laughs> How are you doing today? How is the view? Right now, is the view beautiful from where it, you're It's gorgeous. Where I'm looking, Scott, I see Memorial Stadium, and we're counting down the days to Husker football. Well, it's uh, it's getting exciting. It's it, it's hard. To, it seems like it's been forever, but now it's getting a little more real. So we just will, getting days away. You we'll bet. Take it. We'll take, what do you got for us today? Well, busy day for the ag department. As uh, coming up at twelve nineteen, we'll kick things off with this story. Free legal and financial clinics are being offered for farmers and ranchers across the state of Nebraska in August. With her comments from Michelle Soul, she's the Farm and Ranch Program Director for Legal Aid of Nebraska. Then twelve forty five, a big announcement out of Washington D.C. late last week. The European Union has agreed to increase beef exports from the United States. Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association will join us to discuss that news. Now, interestingly enough, guys, in 2005, only 5% of U.S. beef entering the EU came from Nebraska, again, about 5%. And by 2018, Nebraska rose uh, to about 53% of that share. So that'll be interesting to see where those numbers will go. Then finally, at 117, We'll hear the story of Daryl's Racing Pigs. Now, he's at the Lancaster County Super Fair this week, and he'll join us to share the secrets behind making the pigs competitive. And just a hint, he tells us, he tells the audience that that has to do with Kool-Aid. So that story coming up at 117. Kool-Aid. Interesting. Now, what is it? What's a pig chase? I mean, the dogs chase the bones around. I don't, I wonder. Hmm. Okay, That's we'll, the big secret. We'll, we'll find, find out. out. We'll find out. Thank you. Good tease there. Nicely done, Bryce. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Enjoy the view, all right? Thanks, guys. Sports coming up in a little bit. Jason is uh, working on some stuff right now, so he's not with us. But, of course, as Bryce alluded to, we will be uh, kicking off some uh, Husker football as practice starts. They'll get in pads tomorrow, but kind of their, one of their first practices today. Also, uh, and attention, fantasy football owners, this one has got me a few times, but Jordy Nelson, former K-State player and longtime Green Bay Packer, has decided that he will be retiring. Um, he's 34 years old, and Jordy Nelson, who I, I drafted a few times in fantasy football, and it seemed like he got hurt every time I drafted him. So if some way I uh, was part of that, I, I really feel bad. And another one that I remember so well, talking of the NFL, Cliff Branch, a longtime wide receiver for the uh, Oakland Raiders, was found dead yesterday in a hotel in Bullhead City. Arizona. He was 71. Now we turn it over to uh, the our head currency manipulator, Bob Brogan. I'm not manipulating any currency today, but uh, who knows? Okay. Maybe tomorrow I will. Stocks are, uh, stocks are falling sharply on Wall Street after China let its currency sink to the lowest level in more than a decade. And uh, probably a little bit calculated, escalating its trade battle with the U.S. So Stocks are basically in the tank right now, and uh, probably uh, things aren't going to turn around anytime soon. All right. Well, that's all coming up on Morty.
It is time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and all around the world. And Paul Perkins in here with us as uh, we have a little bit of a, in places, real scattered sort of storms. But I know, like I mentioned to you earlier, in Gothenburg Friday, we had a pretty good storm, but a lot of places didn't get in it. Yeah, uh, well, and of course, uh, towards uh, Valley County and northern portions of Custer County, they had uh, up to seven inches of rain in many locations. And, of course, North Loop, once again, experiencing some bad flooding over the weekend. So, yeah, uh, definitely as, as some thunderstorms that just didn't move, uh, and then they dumped some heavy rain on top of it. Uh, potential is there for some severe weather today, but now mainly into western Nebraska. We did have a little bit of light rain this morning. It's still occurring right now over portions of southwest Nebraska, but Earlier, we were thinking the severe threat over much of Nebraska with an enhanced risk into eastern, northeast Nebraska, but that main severe threat now well off towards our east. Okay, well, and, and you, I think they said something about there's some, some low pressure up in the Black Hills region that's kind of causing some of this. Yes, yeah. uh, a lot of the storm energy will be off to our north and east uh, okay. with this system. But yeah, right now, temperatures mainly in the upper 70s to the low 80s across the area. A little more cloud cover over southwestern areas of Nebraska. It's keeping those temperatures down into the mid-70s, some low and mid-70s, including down at 72 at Imperial, 76 at North Platte, 75 at Lexington, but otherwise most of us in the upper 70s to low 80s. Still some showers and thunderstorms over southwest Nebraska. Most of the activity from Hayes Center to South Dakota to around the Elwood area, and we do have a fairly strong little isolated thunderstorm cell just to the southwest of McCook. That activity gradually diminishing in coverage. Thunderstorms are possible today through tonight as a some disturbances drop southeast. We're on the eastern edge of a ridge of high pressure, so those disturbances tracking southeastern through the region. Also, a weak front will be pushing to the south today. Some of the storms could be severe, but the main severe threat in west-central and western Nebraska, where there is a slight risk for severe storms, along and west of a line from Ainsworth to Broken Bow, North Platte, and Imperial. So once again, the slight risk along and west of a line from Ainsworth to Broken Bow, North Platte, Imperial. Temperatures today actually up near near seasonal levels. With some high pressure overhead for tomorrow, it will be mainly dry and slightly cooler than normal. Some thunderstorms will be possible in western areas of Nebraska, right near some low pressure in the Black Hills. More thunderstorms are back for Wednesday into Wednesday night with some low pressure and a cold front. Some smaller chances for thunderstorms for Thursday through the weekend. With no shortage of instability, severe storms do remain possible all this week, including Wednesday through the weekend. Temperatures in behind the front will be about 5 to 10 degrees cooler than normal for Thursday through Saturday. A nice little cool down. Then we're back to seasonal on Sunday. But by Sunday, average highs in central Nebraska are usually in the mid-80s as opposed to the upper 80s currently. The long-term forecast predicts near normal to warmer than normal temperatures this weekend through August 18th. The better chances of those warmer temperatures over Kansas above normal rainfall remains in the outlook this weekend through the 18th for Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors driving the market include once again dry weather for the eastern Midwest and additional favorable weather in Russia. Extreme heat will return for much of the week on the southern plains. Thanks to a big ridge of high pressure, we're kind of on the outer edges of that ridge of high pressure. A surge of cool air will trail as a cold front across the uh, tracks across the northern and central plains and the midwest scattered thunderstorms will accompany that cold front but the rain not expected to provide widespread relief in drier areas of the midwest dry conditions in the eastern midwest are stressing corn and soybeans right now crop development remains well behind normal in many areas and there are concerns an early fall freeze could do major damage to crops 
Otherwise, in the Midwest, favorable temperatures continue for pollinating and filling corn and developing and filling soybeans. The Northern Plains conditions mostly favorable because of well-behind crop progress, though. There are hopes for a late fall freeze to allow those crops to fully develop. Weather in the Black Sea remains beneficial for crops now in the fifth week of near to below normal temperatures and some periods of rain. In crop areas of eastern Russia, most of the region has either received useful rain or will get rain later on this week. All right. Well, we will see. You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting with the rainstorm we had this morning, uh, it did not cool anything off no. very much. <laughs> no, that humidity is up there right now. You can feel the, the humidity in the air right now. Those dew points in the upper 60s to low 70s across the area. Sticky, sticky, sticky. Yeah. That's for sure. All right. Well, very good. Well, thank you, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. Bring it home. Win a 2018 Ram pickup with a custom hood. Sponsored by SureTop Angus and Charlay of Farnham. 880 KRVN. Lexington, Nebraska. Free legal and financial clinics are being offered for farmers and ranchers across Nebraska in August. On the Rural Ready Network, I'm Bryce Duskier reporting. The clinics are one-on-one meetings with an agricultural law attorney and an agricultural financial counselor. These are not group sessions, and the meetings are confidential. Michelle Soule is the Farm and Ranch Project Director with the Rural Response Hotline. Um, the Farm Finance Clinic are one-on-one. Um, it's a good way of sitting down and talking to an attorney and a financial advisor um, for whatever you've got going on within your operation. So if you want to discuss anything um, about estate and transition planning or financial concerns you might have or some sort of legal concern, um, you can call the Real Response Hotline and we can get you an appointment. What was the motivation behind wanting to do these here in the month of August? Um, a lot of it is they're, they're, real, they're highly demanded and um, it's because of their free service and we offer them monthly and we wanted to really focus on them in August. Um, where we think, you know, maybe it's not quite as busy for the farmers and ranchers. Um, some are, and but yet we aren't in harvest season and things like that. So we thought it was a good opportunity for farmers and ranchers to attend them. You've selected uh, six sites here again uh, throughout August. I'll run through them quick. Grand Island has already happened now, but uh, you'll be in North Platte, Lexington, Fairbury, Norfolk, and Valentine, really covering the whole state of Nebraska. Can you share with us some of the questions or, or things that frequently come up in these one-to-one meetings? Yeah, I can I can sure do that. Um, since they're one-on-one, we have a lot of people who might have a contract or a lease they want reviewed. Um, they wanna, might want to know the process of debt collection if they've got some financial difficulties. Um, we see a lot of estate and transition planning, how to pass the farm from one generation to the next. So it's really a wide variety of topics. Um, we see fence line disputes. We see um, drainage issues, kind of anything along um, along the lines that farmers or ranchers could be facing. If folks want to hear more information, maybe they heard one of the towns you'll be in, uh, find out some more information about that site-specific location, how can they get a hold of you folks? Uh, they can call the Rural Response Hotline, and um, we can get them registered and give them the details and um, go from there. And it's 1-800-464-0258. We also want to spend some time talking about the disaster relief funds that uh, you have available. Maybe some folks in the Kearney area after the flooding we saw there uh, last month. 
Yeah, um, we do have some additional disaster relief funds available. Um, it's not limited to the Kearney area, but we'd like to focus in that area because we know that um, that they have been hit by a second flood. And um, so we do have those available at the same 800 number, and they can give us a call, and um, we can help them with re receiving some disaster relief funds. What kind of information do you need to, need to know from the producer in order to uh, apply for that aid? If they have not received the funds, it's a real basic application. We do it on the we'll do it on the phone, and it's just basically we need their name and the address, um, what they lost, and um, that's pretty much it. And then we'll submit the application, and then hopefully we can get it processed, you know, within ten days. That was Michelle Soul, a farm and ranch project director with the Rural Response Hotline. The number again to get more information is one eight hundred four six four zero two. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean War Newsroom, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Drip. Well, time for us to check in on sports. Jason and Jorgensen is right here in studio with us, and uh, we're getting, getting a little closer. Footballs, uh, they're starting to practice and hit people here before too long, anyway. Yeah, they are, and the uh, high school kids all reported for conditioning today, so mm. we are getting closer and closer, that's for sure. Another Husker news, former Husker Alex Lewis is looking for work. Less than an hour after news broke, the Ravens guarded past his physical, the team cut him. Lewis thanked the team on Instagram for the opportunity the last three years. If you remember, Baltimore drafted him in 2016. He started 10 games for the Ravens last year, but he was going to make $2 million this season, and according to OverTheCap.com, the Ravens will save that much and are left with just $123,000 in dead money from his prorated bonus. He's not done. He'll no. probably find a team. But it uh, sounds like the team wasn't happy that he chose to rehab himself, not in their facility, and so they go there former ways or there are different ways at this point former k-state star jordy nelson is retiring as a member of the green bay packers a 34 year old played in green bay from 2008 to 2017 winning a super bowl with the team before spending last year with the raiders nelson had a pretty good run 550 receptions 69 touchdown catches in his 10 years with green bay he made the pro bowl in 2014 then missed all of 2014 of 15 rather with that knee injury then was named the 2016 Comeback player of the year. Talking about a star from north central Kansas who made good. Yeah, he really did good. It, unfortunately, he was a uh, first round draft pick for me in that 2015 <laughs> season in fantasy football. <laughs> I remember watching that uh, preseason game when he was hurt. And that was just yeah. bummer for him. Yeah, but for sure. He had a great year. Uh, cool that he gets to retire as a Packer. The U.S. Women's National Volleyball team, with the help of a couple of former Husker greats, Knocked up Argentina yesterday to secure a berth for the U.S. in the 2020 Tokyo Games. Jordan Larson and Kelsey Robinson played big roles for the U.S. throughout the week. Larson had 12 kills on 24 attacks. Robinson added 10 kills on 23 attacks. Of course, those two were each members of the 2016 squad that earned the bronze medal. And the Nebraska men's basketball team arrived in Rome yesterday morning to begin the first part of their Italian tour. Yesterday, as you might expect, was a light day as most of the travel party was, you know, spent the day laying around getting used to the uh, time change. Uh, they will spend some time today in the Vatican City and play their first game of the tour tonight. 
Uh, don't expect a whole lot early, and it sounds like a couple of these teams they're playing are legit. These these are professional teams, but boy, this is invaluable for Coach oh. Hoiberg and the Huskers. It's it's more about them than anybody they play. It's about getting them together and getting their roles figured out. So it should be fun. And uh, this came along at a and this was all set up before Tim Miles was fired. So you talk about. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say lucky, but it's it's fortunate. You have a whole new roster, and they get to go play some games. We'll see how they do. That's pretty good, Kismet. Yep. That is a check of sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Thanks, Jason. A central Nebraska mayor has pleaded not guilty to allegations that he threatened the job of a police officer investigating a fight outside a bar for which the mayor has been charged. Custer County Court records say John Burkhorst entered the pleas today to two misdemeanors, oppression under the color of office and assault. A pretrial hearing has been set for September 9th. He's mayor of Broken Bow. Burkhorst is accused of injuring a man during the April 6th fight. The court records say the mayor later used his position in an attempt to injure, deceive, harm, or oppress another person, Broken Bow Police Officer David Taylor. A grievance document filed by another officer says Berghorst was belligerent and didn't cooperate with the police investigation and threatened Taylor's employment by asking Taylor, do you like your job? Nebraska prosecutors are appealing a sentence they say is too lenient against a woman whose elderly mother died in her care. Paula Boyd was sentenced last month to six months of probation for abuse of a vulnerable adult related to the death of her 89-year-old mother, Dorothy Pistillo, in 2017. Yamaha World Herald reports that authorities say Pistillo, who had dementia, collapsed and stayed on her living room floor for days without food or water. Prosecutor Katie Benson says 64-year-old Boyd should be imprisoned. Nebraska Court of Appeals records show the Douglas County Attorney's Office filed notice Friday that it will appeal the sentence. Prosecutor Don Klein says the coroner attributed Pistillo's death to congestive heart failure due to advanced end-stage dementia and not neglect. Boyd had told police her mother refused help. An increase in traffic enforcement for impaired driving violations will be placed in Phelps County between August 16th and September 2nd. The Phelps County Sheriff's Office received the Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over grant for a total of $2,061. This grant will be used to reimburse overtime deputies' salaries for the nationwide campaign to reduce alcohol and drug-impaired fatal crashes. The Nebraska Bankers Association voted unanimously on July 24th to award a combined $88,000 in disaster relief grants to several organizations across the state. Grants are funded through the Bank on Nebraska Strong Fund, which was established by the NBA in coordination with the Nebraska Community Foundation and various Nebraska United Ways. Among the recipients was the City of Wood River to assist with home repairs. They received $15,000. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan.
Yes, an EU signed breakthrough agreement on U.S. beef access in the European Union. I am Shaylee Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network, and our guest today to visit about this, Kent Bacchus. He is the director of international trade with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Very exciting news just getting broke here very recently, Kent. And so let's talk about this. There's a lot of background into uh, this trade agreement and um, a lot of work that was put into place ahead of this. So just give us a big picture um, and talk to us about this announcement recently made. Well, we're excited uh, that, you know, President Trump has announced uh, that uh, they've been able to successfully negotiate a U.S.-specific quota for uh, for our high-quality beef going into the EU market. Uh, that will, uh, once it's implemented, it will, uh, it will allow us to send up to 35,000 metric tons annually into the EU market. And that's important because the EU is one of the most protected markets in the world. And there's very little duty-free access uh, from uh, for, uh, for anyone. So for us to be able to secure uh, this, uh, you know, duty-free access to a very high-value market like the European Union, this uh, is going to send some some very good uh, market signals to our producers that the EU is open for business. So I think you know this is something that uh, that we are looking forward to, um, and something we've really been working on for quite some time. And as I mentioned, initially there is a lot of work that went into place um, ahead of this agreement, but give us some of the background. I know it's hard to do in a nutshell. Give us some of the history ahead of this agreement, Kent. Well, it's a, it is a long story, so I'll try to keep it pretty brief, but uh, this, this actually goes back to the original uh, WTO hormone case uh, that where we sued the, the European Union for banning uh, the use of hormones in beef production, and we actually won. It's a landmark case, and it's something that we continue to stand behind. Uh, and so we we actually sued the EU and the WTO, and we won. And that gave us the authority to retaliate against the European Union. And for 10 years, we were applying 100 million dollars of retaliatory tariffs on the EU. Uh, and then uh, the Europeans uh, said, you know, is there is there some way that we can compromise here? Is there something that we can do? And that led to the creation of a of a uh, an overall uh, quota, a duty free quota for non hormone treated uh, uh, cattle from non hormone treated. Uh, I'm sorry, beef from non hormone treated cattle. Uh, it created uh, this uh, this duty free quota. And, uh, and, you know, and for a little while, it was actually benefiting U.S. beef producers. But unfortunately, the Europeans started approving a lot of other countries who were not part of that WTO suit. And they started approving them to ship under that quota. And it, it essentially squeezed us out of the market. So uh, that wasn't a good deal. And that was something that, uh, you know, we, um, that we asked USTR to look into to investigate. And, uh, and with the threat of retaliation on the Europeans brought them to the table. It, it, it got them to, to negotiate this U.S. specific quota. And so it will be 35,000 metric tons of beef from non-hormone treated cattle, but this is only from the United States. So that means that we will have a guaranteed market in the EU. And while that will apply to a small number of our cattle, still our NHTC program, uh, it is an opportunity for us to get a foothold in the European market, which, again, is one of the most highly protected markets in the world. And finally, I want you to maybe dive into a little bit, given our current 
trade environment and everything that has gone on. Talk about why an announcement like this is so important, um, maybe just on the basis of morale for our producers. I think when you look at U.S. beef, unfortunately, we've been a we've been a political target in a lot of markets for many years. Whether it's the BSE restrictions in the Asian markets, the hormone restrictions in the EU and in China, uh, unfortunately, we you know uh, we we have a very good product, a very safe, high quality product, but it but it's been a it's been a target uh, for a lot of politicians in other markets. It's a way for them to try to protect their domestic industry and and try to build some support there. Uh, that's come at great expense to a lot of our producers who uh, stand by their product and stand by the safety and the quality of it. Uh, so, you know, for us to make a a big, uh, you know, a big increase like this in one of the most protectionist markets in the world sends a strong message. It sends a it sends a message to the rest of the world that the United States takes this very seriously, and uh, and that we're we're going to continue to open these markets and that. Uh, you know, because beef is such an important market to the U.S. economy and U.S. agriculture, that it's going to continue to be part of all of these trade discussions. Uh, you know, Europe doesn't want agriculture to be part of any trade negotiation uh, between the EU and the United States. They've made that very clear. I think this sends a pretty strong message that the United States is not going to back down and that we're going to continue to have those conversations because all agriculture matters and, uh, and we should be a part of every discussion. So while this is a step in the right direction, it is definitely not the final destination. I think it's important that people remember that and continue to engage. Our elected officials need to know that uh, that we matter, and they need to be reminded of that. Uh, not only economically, but you know we uh, we stand by our production practices, and uh, we need them to stand by us. And so I think this is a very strong message to agriculture to keep doing what we're doing, keep producing the safest, uh, high-quality food in the world, and to keep embracing technology and food production. This is this is very important. And uh, so that's something we're going to continue to fight, and, uh, and we're, we're fortunate that we have a government that's going to stand with us in those battles. All right. Thanks so much. It's Kent Bacchus. He's Director of International Trade for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, giving us information on the exciting announcement U.S. and EU have signed a breakthrough agreement on U.S. beef access in the European Union. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Well, a rough day in the stock markets uh, around the world and here in the United States right now. Everybody in the red and uh, quite a bit so deep into the basement. Let's take a look quickly at uh, some of those numbers. First of all, in the Japanese Nikkei, down 360 points. Uh, Hang Seng in Hong, Hong Kong was down 745 points. London down the FTSE in London down 178 and the German DAX index was down nearly 5% nearly a 5% loss in the DAX as they were down 594 points not much better right now in the United States the Dow Jones Industrial Average down nearly 800 points 756 the Nasdaq has lost 3% they're down 275 in the S&P down 83 right now as the world continues to deal with uh, 
some of the trade issues and some of those things going on. We turn it over to Bob Brogan for more. Right. Stocks are falling sharply on Wall Street after China let its currency sink to the lowest level in more than a decade, escalating its trade battle with the U.S. Technology and financial stocks posted the biggest drops today. Apple sank 4.5%. Bank of America dropped 4.7%. China's central bank allowed the Yuan's exchange rate to sink below the political, politically sensitive level of 7 per dollar. Investors are concerned that Beijing is using its currency in an escalating trade war with U.S. President Donald Trump. So technology stocks taking it on the chin in the early going, as many of those companies stand to suffer more than other sectors if the trade war between the U.S. and China continues to escalate. The pace of expansion for U.S. services companies fell to its slowest pace in nearly three years as gauges of business activity and new orders weakened. The Institute for Supply Management says its non-manufacturing index fell to 53.7 from 55.1 in June. Other things going on in the world of business, not necessarily uh, something that's right in our face, but uh, it's a flying car, and Japanese electronics maker NEC Corporation gave it a test run. The large drone-like machine with four propellers hovered steadily for about a minute. The Japanese government is behind flying cars with the goal of having people zipping around in them by the 2030s. I can't hardly wait for that. So well, those, the, the Jetsons said it was coming, and, and, and it's way behind. And is it gonna, going to look like one of the Jetsons' I cars? I hope so. I just hope so. I think it would be great. Well, that'll be interesting, because <laughs> then you'll have to have a pilot's license and a driver's mm-hmm, license mm-hmm. at the same time. Yep, 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 a PDL or something like that. So I well, guess we'll see. Well, boy, this is going to prompt a lot of discussion about safety and so on and so forth. Mm, it is. It is. Let's let's look at uh, the markets right now. Tyson Foods, big gainer right now. They're 6% up. Get on the Rural Radio Network, and we're at the Lancaster County Superfair. This is an interview I've wanted to do for quite some time. Daryl with Daryl's Racing Pigs has joined me. Daryl, I've been coming to your shows since I was showing pigs way back in my day. Tell us a little about yourself and how you guys started doing this. Well, you know, it's been 32 years since I started the business, and I started it when I was 14 years old as an FFA project in high school. So, you know, kids out there, parents out there, you're listening. If your kids have a crazy idea, don't rule it out. You never know what's going to work out in life and become a business and become something where they can make lifelong relationships all over the country. And simple little thing of running six pigs in a circle, as you uh, might have seen at the show tonight, a couple hundred people standing around wanting to see these pigs run. So, you know, it was a great opportunity. Um, you know, I kind of leveraged my egg teacher against my dad when I was in high school, said, I need an SAE project, you know, and and uh, dad's like, oh, begrudgingly, you know, okay, we'll go do it. And I did the North Dakota State Fair the very first year that I did this. Been going there for 32 years, and this year, 25th year that I've been doing the Lancaster County Fair. It's incredible, and as somebody who grew up in the, in the pig barn as well, and our farmers and ranchers listening to this interview, no pigs are pretty stubborn. Tell us how you train the pigs to go in the circles here during your shows. So the, the problem is, is 
more than being stubborn, the pig is actually a very intelligent animal, and they're but they're they're curious yet cautious, and so they don't like to go places they're not familiar with easily. Hence the stubborn you know thought that people have about them. But actually, it's it's for their own protection. They don't want to go somewhere unfamiliar, you know, and that's the instinctive, inherent quality that they have. But pigs are also a very competitive animal. You know, they're very. They, they like to set their pecking order, they like to compete for that pecking order and set their dominance level, which makes it easy for me to train them to run for a treat. So, you know, the pig is a pretty dynamic animal. It's, you know, arguably the third smartest animal in the world. Two questions, more on the technical side of this. How old are the pigs that you're racing and how many are you bringing with you on your shows? So we bring two sets with us and each set can have up to six pigs. We got 10 pigs with us here. The one set of four, I was only able, I like to bring some different kinds of pigs once in a while. And so we got a little set of Cooney Coons that are crossed with miniature potbelly pigs. People like to see different things. So we, I was only able to get a hold of four of them this spring. They're, they're six months old, but they're not very big. The other set, we start training at 21 days old on the, what people would consider the regular farm pig. So we take them right off the mama sow at 21 days. We start training them. By day 24, they're running this track, and we use them for about 30 to 40 days, and then we train new ones. How many shows in a summer will you do? Uh, this year we're going to do 11 events, um, you know, summer months. That's all we've ever done because we still have an active farm at home, and and so, I mean, so i, I got to do some work around there once in a while, or I might get disowned by the family, but, uh, you know, it's... It's one of those things that, and I'll be quite honest, you know, in the mid-90s when the hog market took a tank, this this probably allowed me to continue staying on the farm because I had the income from this. So I've kind of made it my mission to, you know, say some things during my show and, and visit with people after my show to educate them about what is the reason we still raise these pigs, what is the reason that agriculture still has to exist. So, you know, and, and I get a great opportunity. I happen to be the Farm Bureau President in North Dakota also, and so advocating on behalf of egg is kind of in my blood naturally but really try and step up the game when i can especially around folks that just aren't aware of what we do and why we do it hey daryl daryl's racing pig joining us at the lancaster county super fair on the rural ready network i'm bryce Duske reporting Grain markets in a wild day, but not even as wild as the livestock picture. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we're with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. I think one of the more impressive things in grain today was not only, you know, the uh, difference as far as the highs and the lows today, the ranges of, of trading, but soybean, meal, and corn, John. Yeah, and I think... One, I'll say, for the winners, if you look at the board, the grains did pretty well. We we, we took the, the sell-off this morning down and really followed livestock into the hole and, uh, you know, the stock market obviously down. But we rallied there that on that mid-morning announcement that China, they're not going to take uh, U.S. commodities now, but they had refuted that report like three hours sooner, and the market rallied on that So um, and then stayed high. So we have, you know, forecasts out east are going to be really dry. Illinois. If this was a normal year, and if we had any heat, I think the market would really get going. But, you know, it's tough to get too concerned when temps are having a hard time making it out of the 70s. Um, but regardless, we're going to be dry the next two weeks. That's going to underpin the feed grain markets here. Chicago wheat has really performed well. I, I was waiting for that market to explode lower, and it just hasn't done it yet. And then, um, you know, you have uh, 
you know, livestock that, that seems to be resilient here as well. So, uh, you know, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, we're going to rally a little bit. We get a good good report tonight, and maybe, uh, you know, the news flow changes its, its tune in the next couple of days, and you're right back up 420, 430. That's where it gets really hard, and that's where, you know, put options are probably your friend with this, this report coming out. Probably was pretty good to see that hard red winter wheat futures, percentage-wise, led the rally today. Yeah. I mean, it was... Hard red wheat, Minneapolis wheat, those are the two markets I think you want to buy. If you, if you can afford to hold them for the longer term, we're record short on both of those contracts, and there's really no lot. I mean, there's a little downside there. I think we could go down to $5 on the mini and, and, and possibly, you know, 390 to 4 on the KC in the next couple of weeks. But if you look at the deferred contracts here, um, you know, we're going to start losing losing acreage again next year if, if prices would continue to fall uh, on the on the July contract. Um but again, it's it's a currency war right now. The market is this is going to be a really wild couple of years. I don't know. This could be just the new normal from now going forward as we're all kind of battling out to see who has the weakest currency. That's essentially what's going on in the equities right now. China wants to devalue. Anytime we raise tariffs, they're going to devalue their currency that much to try to offset those tariffs. And eventually, the market will break at some point. And you'd think this will all be inflationary with the amount of money that's getting pumped into the system. But in the short run, it's about leverage management. And, you know, the market is really long with the amount of uh, of uh, leverage that it's gotten over the last couple of years. So we're, we're just washing it out today on the stock side. The wild ride will probably continue. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com or the KRVN app.